0: Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining me is my co-host, Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani. If you don't know us, you get 45 years combined in sports journalism between us, 35 years covering Houston sports. So you're in good hands. And in Houston sports' good hands right now is everything. Everything's looking good. A lot of positive feels We'll get to the Rockets and Astros in just a bit. But hey, Halloween, two weeks away, Sean. And thank goodness that the axe finally fell on the evil spirit hanging over the Texans. Have you heard any rumblings about Easter Beast demise? Man, rumblings. I never, I didn't hear anything leading up to it. Um, I mean,
1: this was like a uh, shocker uh, that it happened. You know, uh, John McClain, um, said probably six months ago, something like that, that he anticipated Easter be getting fired after the season. And, you know, you just kind of take stuff like that with a grain of salt. But um, to do it coming off of the bye week, I thought the timing is probably the biggest question here. Like, why? Um, and that's an important question, and I think it has a lot to do with the fact that you know, over the course of the last uh, four to six months, I would say, um, somewhere in that time period, there was a lot of rumblings about Jack Easterby not being as influential um, and not having the uh, responsibilities, let's say, uh, that he had prior to that. And so what led up to that? Was it track record? Was it rumblings within NRG itself? Was it tarnished relationships? Was it the fact that Um, somebody maybe finally got to Cal McNair and said, hey, um, you kind of might want to read the room here, um, get the pulse of the city, but more importantly, really get the pulse of the league because you're going to have to do business with people involved with the other 31 teams in the NFL. And he was a huge turnoff to coaching candidates, to players, and um, it, it was just the right move. I can't say at the right time, because any time, quite honestly, Robert, um, would have been a good time. I just wish it never would have went down like this,
0: meaning I wish it never would have happened. Yeah, you wish Easterby never would have happened. I, I just want to talk a little bit about the big picture, because I, I can't think of a person that's done more damage to a sports franchise in this city. And obviously you could say Bud Adams because he took away the Oilers, but there wouldn't have been an Oilers without Bud Adams. At least you can say Drayton with his incompetence after 2005 and the Astros, but at least there was that unbelievable eight year run prior to that. Easterby gave O'Brien power, let him give away draft picks, made awful trades, you know, let O'Brien make those trades while stabbing good football people, good behind the scenes, people in the back, all through the organization, you just talked about him scaring away coaching candidates. He scared away the fan base, season ticket holders, maybe some potential free agents, and made the organization into a complete laughing stock.
1: Yes, 100%. Uh, it, it was a joke around the league. And, you know, I thought about it like this um, every, everybody's got their, you know, vices, their hangups, their faults. Fine, you know, um, nobody's perfect, you and me included. Um, however, you know, say what you will about Bob McNair, I think, um, you know, in large part, clear majority, um, he was a highly well respected, very successful man, period. I didn't know him, uh, like that. I can't call him a friend. I had numerous run ins with him. Um, and my grandfather, you know, who, um, was a city councilman for 30 years in this city, and passed away now for 15 years. I remember even back then when he was still around, um, him saying some really good things about Bob McNair. Um, and so if that's coming from my grandfather, you're probably doing something pretty good. Um, so having said that, the problem that I had personally with this uh whole debacle over the course of the last two or three years is that. You you tarnish the reputation, the organization of a guy that works so damn hard to bring football back to the city of Houston, to build um, and, and a highly respected um, and admirable organization. It, that takes time. That takes a lot of work. And that takes credibility that you bring to the table. And then you build from there. And so quickly was it just taken away. And that's the saddest part is – I, I wrote in my column today on SportsRadio610.com that, uh, you know, Jack Easterby and the decisions and the influence that he had on Bill O'Brien and others within that front office, um, and certainly, namely the ownership, you know, not only cost the organization fans, it cost them money, it cost them respect, it cost them admiration from not just, you know, all of the aforementioned, but people around the league. And, if you want to go forward in this business, Robert, you're going to have to develop relationships. And that's one of the things. It might be corny. Maybe it sounds more corny because they talk about it all the time. But Nick Casario preaches this. This is about you know building blocks, stacking more good days on top of good days, building relationships with people, and trusting good people to do good work. And aha, that's where I hope. Cal McNair has finally maybe learned his lesson and maybe just maybe Robert while Cal came into this business as sole um, owner, you know, once his father passed away and was going to run the ship here, he didn't really have that right-hand man that he could confide in, that he could trust that his dad did. And whoever, I can't remember was the, the guy that was his dad's right-hand man, he passed away and it was a tragic thing. Um, but Cal didn't have that, and it takes time. And maybe Nick Casario has become that guy. Even though there's a dynamic and a triangle there, maybe trust was violated. Maybe responsibilities, um, you know, were not met. Certainly, um, the production wasn't on behalf of Jack Easterby. And maybe Nick Casario finally saw that and got to the ear of Cal McNair. And this is why we have this glorious Monday in the city of Houston.
0: Yeah, whoever woke up Cal McNair, applaud that person. I've heard rumors it might be Hannah McNair, not sure, but kudos. And Andre Johnson, Sean, with the most powerful quote on Easterby, which should have been the wake-up call nearly two years ago, he said, ever since Jack Easterby walked into that organization, nothing good has happened. And a couple of things. He said that organization. So he had already sort of started to separate himself from the Texans. It feels like with just that you know, (laughs) that, that, uh, grammar. And then Andre properly walked out of the building himself, you know, at the, at that same time, your colleague at 610, John McLean, said the Texans need to immediately reach out to Andre, see if they can bring him back in the building. And Sean, Andre posted a photo of himself grinning at one of his Texans press conferences on his Instagram Monday. So maybe that option is open. It'd be nice if they could make up with Dre before he gets voted into Canton. And I'm sure he could help little Nico Collins maybe be a bit better of a wide receiver.
1: Cal McNair, before they released J.J. Watt a couple of years ago, said that it was only temporary for J.J. That he hopes he goes and plays somewhere for a couple of years and then comes back and will honor him. You're talking about one of. I'm not going to go ahead and say the greatest player in franchise history, though he may very well be. Okay. However, Andre Johnson was the first greatest player in franchise history. So if you're going to give J.J. that sort of treatment and roll out the red carpet before he even stepped two feet out of the door, then you certainly have to do it for a guy like Andre Johnson. So that's not even a question, Um, because while while Cal may not understand the optics or respect them, um, maybe now he is more. But he certainly understands um, what J.J. Watt, what Andre Johnson, what some of the great players of this organization mean to the fans. And if you want to win fans back, maybe you never win some back. But the majority, I think you certainly do. And it comes down to a couple of things. It comes down to um, them being proud of your organization. And that goes with the optics that exist around your organization throughout the rest of the league. But then, too, winning helps everything all of the time. So those are two very important key factors. In terms of Andre Johnson, I never really thought he abandoned the Texans. And when he made those comments on Twitter a couple of years ago, which was really in defense of Deshaun Watson requesting a trade, and it was a mention of Easterby, you know, that he had never done anything good since he stepped foot in the city of Houston, which is 100% true. I don't care what sort of role he played in getting Nick Casario into town, whatever. Cal reached out to Casario before Easterby was even hired, That's just a fact. And I, I just think that it was more about Andre Johnson being almost heartbroken to a degree because he's a guy that came back and wanted to coach. He's a guy that came back and wanted to learn the business. He's a guy that came back to you know maybe think about becoming a GM himself one day and learning those ropes. And when his input is not considered, when one of the best players in the franchise's history at the age of 24, 25 years old, and Deshaun Watson, is not considered when promised that he, the franchise, would have a say in who was going to be the next GM. Those things are, are situations in which Andre Johnson experienced firsthand, that he witnessed during his time here in Houston, and he had absolutely had enough of it and was disappointed in Cal who had literally ridden the coattails, and not to be mean or ugly about it, but ridden the coattails of his father for 20 years, following him around, trying, it looked like, to learn the business. Unfortunately, he doesn't have the savvy. He doesn't have the charisma. He doesn't have uh, the respect and the admiration of the fans and the the ones that really count around the rest of the league that can have your back when times get tough and your back's up against the wall. He doesn't have that yet. He can still earn it. He can still get it back.
0: Yeah. And it's amazing because Bob and Andre had such a great relationship the whole time that he was alive. And that's all I ever heard. And, you know, for people out there that, oh, we're too hard on this guy, Easterby. I mean, go read the Sports Illustrated story. Hear what he's done to the people in the organization. I mean, there 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 is a, a, a suicide in the last few months that, I, I don't want to say too much about that, but I, I almost wonder if that happens if Jack Easterby doesn't show up and, and that person's life isn't turned upside down.
1: Robert, I mean, it, it's out there um, publicly. A source of ways back uh, told ESPN that Jamie Roots was not happy with the direction that Jack Easterby was taking the organization. And shortly after that, what happened? He resigns, okay? um, He left. Hoping, I think at the end of the day, that Cal would see the writing on the wall and get rid of Easterby. Well, Roots went to the Dynamo for like a hot minute, maybe a week, maybe two weeks left, and tried to go back. Dynamo weren't having it. Reportedly tried to go back to the Texans, and they weren't having it because they were still siding with Easterby and going that direction. And that just killed Jamie Roots because he didn't want to go anywhere else. The the Houston Texans literally became a part of his family. That was a lifeline for him. That was his blood, sweat, and tears. Um, And granted, look, he was doing some great things at Rice um, and and really just starting a a, a great program up over there. But it ate at him. You know, I, I really believe that. It ate at him. And... Um, it certainly contributed. Um, if, if you if you want to ask me to put it all out there and and just give you my gut reaction and just what I know, yeah,
0: it certainly affected um, it
1: certainly affected that situation.
0: Well, thank God he is gone, and hopefully the Texans fans will start turning the page. But the Texans organization still has a lot of repair work to do. This did not happen in the last few months. It's taken time. Bill O'Brien didn't help things, but there was a lot going on with this. Uh, let's get to other stuff because there is so much going on. We need you to subscribe, by the way, like comment on YouTube. It's a great way to support you. The show. Don't forget to look for our live Texans Raiders post game show right after Sunday's game. Me and Sean will take care of it, and our live Astros post game shows with my former co-host Stephen Kerr. Maybe Sean's going to make a cameo soon. He's threatened Dude, to. Dude, it wasn't
1: eighteen innings the other night. I would have come on, but I mean. <laughs> I didn't know what to do with myself, and then I got a kid to take care of, too. I was trying to get
0: into bed so I could rewatch everything. I, th- I thought the game would have put him asleep, asleep about in the 14th or 15th. He's <laughs> my boy. He's my boy. That dude don't fall asleep during
1: any sporting event.
0: <laughs> if you missed the post-games, you can stream them later, but we're going to react to comments during the live version, so you'll want to tune in and tell all your friends about it. And, Sean, before I get to the Astros, though, the good news kept flowing Monday with the Rockets. They signed Kevin Porter Jr., super team-friendly contract extension four years 82 million dollars the only thing that you need to know though is the first year is guaranteed which is next year that number 15.9 million which is exactly what he's worth I think at that particular number the Rockets have until the end of the season not this season but next season to decide if they want to pick up the additional two years and Sean unbelievable value considering how well porters looked over the last few games of last year and in the preseason and you you've got you know options here with the rockets for sure
1: you've got options but it's also a pretty darn good sample size to see how well he's going to mesh with some young players Um, and the two in particular that you hope to build uh, the organization around in jalen green and jabari smith that's that was my number one takeaway is that this is a commitment. Um, You know, yes, only the first year is guaranteed, but they know what kind of player he's been. They see what his ceiling could be. And now you've got to figure out if you can put all of this talent together and see if it works. And ultimately, this is why I think this is the year uh, for for Coach Silas. I, I think, you know, from a player development standpoint, that's fine now. You know, you might have been able to sharpen some uh, tools and, you know, uh, things here and there, but you got to get it all together, form some continuity, and really start playing some good team basketball and see what you've got to build and and go forward with in the coming years.
0: I don't know if you saw, but Silas just got very emotional when they asked him about Kevin Porter Jr. and what him and the two of them, you know, have, have done together what it meant personally for him and the way the Rockets have handled the entire Kevin Porter junior situation from the time they dealt him dealt for him through the mentorship from John Lucas and Silas to the way they put him in positions to succeed on the court. And of course what those guys were helping him with off the court and with this contract, Sean, they couldn't have done any better, which is a great sign for the future of this organization. Yeah, hundred percent.
1: Um, the contract was was a, was a great deal, and you know, look, you have to have the guy that's willing to work with you and accept, um, you know, the deal that they're offering you. And so, I think that speaks a lot to Kevin Porter Jr. his maturity um, and the understanding that, hey, this is still a building block for him himself personally. Like he knows he has the ways to go, and that it's not a wave of magic wand and one off season. And look, there's going to be adversities this season. Still a lot of young players playing together that they've never played with before for any considerable amount of time. So they're still going to be, um, you know, uh, working through uh, of sorts to 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 kind of get to and then get through. So I understand it from that standpoint. But, man, this is why I miss coaching. And, you know, when you're with a guy with a kid every single day and you see him at their best, you see him at their worst. You form that emotional attachment and it's they become your kid. Because at the end of the day, you're with them more than their parents are uh, a lot of the time. And kind of the same thing, you know, with Silas and Kevin Porter Jr. and the relationship that he's developed with uh, the entire team. Um, There's a bond there. And so that's something I really appreciate. This is why I've been saying for a year and a half now, Robert, you know, hey, it, it stinks. They're not playing good basketball. But sometimes it's worth the suffering. And you point to the Houston Astros in 2011, 12, and 13, and those lean years may have 100-plus losses. Look what that blossomed into. And you still have some of those guys. And one of them in particular is a future Hall of Famer, and Jose Altuve, that you get to watch during those lean years. You know, who knows who's going to emerge as an all-time great, a franchise great player out of this group. One thing's for sure, there is a ton
0: a ton of talent that you're going to be rooting for, I think, for years to come with these guys. Yeah, you and I talked about it the last show, and this was before their last preseason game, where I said, Watch out for Jalen Green, an all star conversation, and most improved player. And then that last preseason game, he put on a show that was worthy of it. So I'm so excited about the Rockets who open on Wednesday. It's already here. Can't believe it. And Sean, I mean, just all sorts of things to be excited about because we're a few weeks away from Hanukkah, which is one of my favorite holidays because it's my people. But you can say the last eight days in Houston sports have been nearly as much of a miracle as the one Hanukkah celebrates. Here's what we've seen. I'm going to list it. Number one, Texans win their first game. Number two, Damian Pierce does an Earl Campbell impression. Number three, Superman Jordan. Number four, Astros sweep. M's number five, 18 innings. Nuff said number six, Dodgers out. Number seven, Wicked Witch Easterby out. Number eight, Jalen Green, all star ability. Real number nine, the aforementioned KPJ team friendly deal. You and I are talking during the last Yankees game, so we don't know what's going to happen with that at the moment. Hopefully, it. The 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 Yankees get ousted as well, but you guys will know by the time you listen to it. But what a week, Sean, and I haven't even got your Astros thoughts yet. I spent all morning, uh, all two hours of it this morning on
1: Sports Radio 610, talking about all of those things, including a, a, a wild and wacky college football weekend, that fantastic game with Bama and Tennessee, um, and some great games in the NFL, in particular the Bills uh, and the Chiefs the Easterbee stuff broke and the KPJ stuff broke when I was in the elevator going down to my car and <laughs> God, you know, I don't know. I wouldn't have to think like if I had to fit that into a show, I mean, I wouldn't have got a chance to re relive the great moments from the weekend in the last week uh, that you just talked about, but man, you just said something that I kind of like side-eye a little bit. You hope the Yankees get ousted. There's a conversation I had this morning and I, I I can't really tell you one way or the other, really, Um, but it's not like I'm exactly sitting on the fence. I think I might have have talked myself into wanting to play the Yankees over the Indians just because that one, two, three of that starting staff by Cleveland with Shane Bieber, Tristan McKenzie, um, and the name escapes me for that third guy right now. I think his name starts with a C, but place maybe. I can't remember. Dude's been freaking lights out, all three of those guys, and you saw him just as many times as you did the Yankees, but man, top to bottom, it really is similar what the Indians are coming into the postseason with. They are 28-8 and their last 36 games since early September, postseason included. They're one of the hottest, if not the hottest team in baseball. Their bullpen just had an 18 and 2 thirds scoreless inning streak snap that was third best all time in postseason history. That club right now, the way that they're playing, Robert, reminds me a lot of 2017 and elements of the 2019 Houston Astros, which is why I'm a little nervous about the Indians, and I think I'd rather play the Yankees because you kind of know what you've got with them. And you've knocked them out before, but also this. This is the big one for me. I don't want to be the team that is standing in the way of an organization trying to make history. Indians have not won a world series since 1948.
0: The, 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 you keep saying the Indians, the guard. You got to remember it's the guardians, the guardians,
1: guard, <laughs> the Indians, whatever. Okay. Uh, you know, if I, sorry, if I offend anybody, uh, it's, you know, old habits die hard, Yeah, but I will just say, Nobody wanted to be the team standing in the way of the Cubs years ago when they won their first World Series since uh, 1918, 1908, whatever it was, uh, ages ago. I don't want the Astros to be in that position. As good as they are, as confident as I am in them, I don't need that in my life.
0: I would feel bad for the Cleveland Guardian fans, but you know, they just had the Cavs win the championship a few years ago and you know, I mean, I think of everybody that's this the city people because those are the people to me. Those are the fans that I care most about. They're they're most invested in it. And if you're a Cleveland Guardians fan, I'm sure you're a Cleveland Cavaliers fan most likely if you live in Cleveland. So yeah, yeah, I get it, and I know some people just would rather play the Yankees and beat them, but I, I just like the fact that we don't have to worry about on the odd chance that we do lose to the Yankees to hear it from Yankee fans. And you know, for them to lose in the first round and Aaron Judge get practically booed out of his own ballpark after I had to sit through all the cut-ins every time Aaron Judge walked to the plate for the stupid American League home run record and all that garbage. Yeah, I, I want to ask one thing, though, about this series, because they, they're, they're going to have to name the roster again. And they haven't done that yet as you and I speak. I think it's probably not even until early Wednesday that we'll hear who's on that roster, but with more games in this series, the odds are they add a pitcher. I would assume that's Will Smith, but then you would have to take away a particular player. Now, the interesting part to me is that David Hensley has been fantastic and David Hensley deserves to stay on the roster. And I know Jake Myers Might be not happy with my decision there, but frankly, I think you seriously have to consider David Hensley at DH because Trey Mancini is not getting the job done, and if you think Aledmus Diaz is not the right guy on a particular matchup, then Hensley gives you another option and a way better option than Trey Mancini has looked. He's just not a good contact hitter, and he's not drawn walks. He's not an on-base guy recently. Definitely not with the Astros. So that that that's I mean, that's uh to me, that's a no-brainer. It should happen. It should happen. Trey
1: Mancini's hitting like 180 with the Astros. Um, and for all you people that aren't all about batting average, hey, if he's hitting 180, ain't nothing else good about it. Okay. <laughs> he's not an on-base guy. The slugging's not there. He doesn't put together good at bats. And to be quite honest with you, I was in his corner when he first came over to the Astros. I was a big Mancini fan. Um, I, I, I don't have to mention you know, the personal adversity. Everybody knows it's well documented. I'm just talking about from a ball player standpoint, the guy is a proven big league player, even if it was in Baltimore. Kudos to him more. You still got to play the Red Sox and the Yankees and Blue Jays more than anybody. And those teams have been a bugaboo, you know, the last four or five years in the AL East. And, you know, the Rays uh, also. I mean, so you could say that, hey, he's done it against some of the very best in all of baseball. So you tip your cap to him. However, the guy's not producing, and you need your best players, your most versatile players to go in a long series when you get to this point in time tough decisions have to be made and to be quite honest with you it's a pretty damn easy one because you know James Click who knows his job's on the line he doesn't have a contract may not be asked back Um, he's not irreplaceable if his butt's on the line because none of his deals outside of maybe Christian Vasquez worked then so be it if Mancini's got a uh, you know, watch from, you know, the TV screen and have the best seat in the house next to you and me, I'm totally fine with it because you need the best guys in your lineup.
0: You don't need two defensive center fielders either. That's ridiculous. Not, it's a waste of roster space as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, I totally agree with that. Dubon and Myers has been both defensive replacements. Neither one of them have any offense. Both of them can't handle excellent postseason pitching. They're not going to be able to handle it.
1: If if Myers was slightly a better hitter, then I would make an argument for him because I like his, uh, you know, speed on the Bates pass. And I do like his defense because, God forbid, something does happen. You know, you, you've got that in your back pocket. But he brings nothing else to the table, Robert. And the Astros have so many other weapons at their disposal. And if you don't believe in them, go rewatch, you know, those last three games of that Mariners series. Go rewatch um, you know, the last month of the season, David Hensley, there's a reason why Dusty Baker's trusted this guy. It wasn't blind faith by any stretch of the imagination. This guy is a pro. And for a lot of people that didn't know who the heck David Hensley was before he was brought up, you know, hey, maybe pay a little bit more attention to the Astros farm system. It's not just all about your top five to 10 prospects. There are some really good ball players in the system as well that you know what would probably be on big league rosters elsewhere, but you just so happen to have, um, you know, one of the greatest teams in a stretch of franchise history, six straight years now, that's pretty hard to crack the squad. So, <laughs> you know, it's talent rich, regardless of what, you know, some of the farm system rankings might say, I'm a hundred percent with you. I didn't, I, I, there was a shred
0: of me. I didn't know if you were going to go Mancini peace out, but I'm glad you did. I agree. Altuve has got to get it going I don't know what in the world was going on with him in that 18 inning game he was swinging at everything he wasn't taking a pitch he wasn't changing his approach from at bat to at bat it was the same thing time after time after time just do Altuve you do not have to hit a home run every time you come up there
1: I just wonder if it was one of those kind of funky things right that his approach just systematically did not fit, you know, the Mariners' not game plan, but just talent that they had on the mound. And I don't know what he did during the regular season. I don't know how many at bats. I would have to go back and look. They played the Mariners 18, 19 times. Beat them. Uh, it was 18 times. So they won the season series 11 to 7. I imagine he had some really good games against them. I don't know. I don't think it's health related. I don't think he's hurt. I just think the guy just flat out is not seeing the baseball right now. He doesn't know what's coming. Um, And that's an and or because, as you mentioned, he was flailing at pitches. I mean, it was like he was hoping his bat would run into a fastball. (laughs) And the fastballs that he did get, they were up around his neck, not even close. And he was swinging at him. But here's one thing. It's Jose Altuve. I got faith in the guy. Every time up, even during that 0-16 for 16 slump that he was in in the Mariners series, I still felt like he was going to break out of it at any moment. And that's that's what you get from Altuve. I'll tell you one reason why I don't think it's health really related is because that dude was a freaking beast in the field making a couple of tip your captain Milo Hamilton, Blue Star plays um, in the first uh, couple of games of that series. So I, I think, you know, it's going to be fine. When Altuve is on the biggest and brightest stage, especially against the Yankees, good things happen. So
0: maybe go Yankees tonight. Yeah. That game right now, as, as you and I are speaking, they're in a delay. So, <laughs> Hey, keep getting delay. Let's push it back as far. Let's yeah. make it as hard as possible as they can on whoever comes out of that series. Now, with there any other things that you're looking for before this series starts? I mean, we don't know who they're going to play, but just from the Astros, is there something that's particularly, we just have a couple minutes here.
1: It's a historic win, the 18th inning one nothing game, and it cannot be understated. Um, there's still games left to be played and against whom you don't know yet. But I cannot say loud enough that it was so vital for the Astros to have won that 18th inning game. Because if they didn't, Justin Verlander pitches game four, and if it's Guardians, Yankees, guess what? ALCS starting on Wednesday, that would have really jumbled up that rotation to, you know, various degrees in which would not have been optimal to the Houston Astros. The fact that they get to start with their ace on the mound again Wednesday night at Minute Maid Park against whoever is absolutely huge. And yeah, you mentioned they have a roster decision to make, you know, in terms of a extra pitcher, um, and maybe it's minus Mancini. Something tells me they're not going to do that, but we'll see. I just thought that that win in the 18th inning game was ginormous I and mean, it cannot be understated enough.
0: Yeah. I want to give a little props to yours truly. Cause you remember this shot on the show. I said, you got to put Luis Garcia in not only because he is a better pitcher than Will Smith and Phil Mayton, but he's somebody that can give you innings and you never know when you might need innings in the playoffs. If something goes awry and we saw what happened and Garcia, It got lost with Pena, I think, a little bit, but just was unbelievable. Uh, He he Roger Clemens did, as I said on the post-game show, going back to the Chris Burke game. Before I go, Sean, huge congrats to the Houston Dash, who had their first playoff match in team history Sunday. I was there for it. It was my first ever Dash game in person. Frustrating 2-1 loss. Sean, I know you were busy with stuff this weekend. They had a breakaway chance late in stoppage time, which didn't go in. I mean, like two, three minutes to go. And then Kansas City, the current, the Kansas City current, for those who don't know, won with a goal on literally the last kick in stoppage time. They put the ball back at midfield. The dash kicked it once, and they blew the whistle, and the game was over. It was about nine minutes of stoppage time, so we're kind of waiting, and they don't have a timer up there for some reason. In in the uh, NWSL, so we had no idea what was left, but we knew it was about over with. But just want to say, I had a blast out there. Weather perfect, atmosphere fantastic. We were treated beautifully by the people who worked at PNC. Uh, the person that I went with, she lost her keys. We had to go back there. Luckily, they had them for us. They helped us out with that, which was great. Proud of the Dash for making their first playoffs. And nine years, Sean, I don't know if you've been, but it's, it's fine.
1: I've not been to a dash game yet. I've been to a dynamo game and I've uh, I want to go see a rugby uh, game over there at the uh, that stadium. Um, but Hey, you got soccer going on. You got baseball playoffs, you know, basketball season tipping off this week, The regular season. You're in the heart of the NFL season. October, if you didn't know is the most wonderful time of the year, not December.
0: <laughs> if you're a dash fan check, the YouTube archives. There are interviews over the years with former Dash stars, Kalia Ohai Watt. Uh, yeah, it's uh, as as we refer to it. It's uh, that's uh, the wife of somebody, some player. I don't know for the Texans. We also have <laughs> an interview with Team USA World Cup champs. Two two different interviews. One with Megan Klingenberg, World Cup champ, and one with Morgan Bryan, former Dash players. I spoke to them about playing with the legendary. Carly Lloyd, Ohio, and I think at least one of those two about playing with her, who, you know, Lloyd played for the Dash as well as Team USA, and Sean, you gotta wish that the Rockets' season opener wasn't directly opposite Astros game one, but can't wait for all the games this week. I know you can't wait for them either. Uh, let's do this again soon.
1: i get to watch about the, the Rockets through their first time out, but... Hashtag DVR.
0: (laughs) You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.